we focus on the negative, absolutely. And we also, our first port of call is, is internal. You doubt yourself. Am I a bellend? Have I done something wrong? Is this person right? Sometimes that could be the case, but more often than not, it's like, no, they're the problem. They're projecting their, their insecurities, their fears, their miserableness, whatever, onto you. Welcome back to the Stay Hungry podcast. Today, we're talking about dealing with difficult clients. It's awesome. Still think of The Island, which is the most underrated sci-fi film Oh, ever. see, a few people have said Greatest Showman to me now, and it annoys me. I'm sure I raised that when we first listened to it. Because it I? goes, whoa. Yeah. Shit film, that is. Kids maybe. Oh, you don't it. like it? No. I really enjoyed it, and Did I don't you? normally like a musical. No, I hate musicals. I went into it with like open ears, um, but I do like Hugh Jackman. Watched it with the kids, and they they were a lot more into it than I was. Less cynical. Maybe that's it. Yeah, maybe that's it. Or maybe just like just stick to Wolverine, mate. Have I what seen else anything else I like? Yeah. Uh, what's that one where he's a magician? That's just really good. That one with um Christopher Nolan film, isn't it? Was it Christian Bale or? Yeah, got to be. Yeah, not The Conjuring. That was that scary one. Yeah, I know. I keep thinking The Illusionist, but that's not it either. Oh, was it? Was it that one? No, The Illusionist is Ed Norton. This one is called... Oh, maybe that's a film I'm thinking of. No, they're very similar. They're very similar. Who's in the Ed Norton one? Ed Norton. Oh, is he? <laughs> Who else is in? I don't know. Oh, well, that's I'm totally so... confused now. Right, we're I think even... it begins with P, the film we're thinking of, but I can't... Okay, we're never going to be able to focus on this now. We're supposed to be talking about difficult clients. Because let's face it, everyone has difficult clients. Even if you're offering a charitable service, um, a free service. So, for example, I know I talk about my dad a lot. As a GP, he essentially offered free services. Um, But fuck me, he had some difficult patients. Now, don't get me wrong. There are people out there who perhaps aren't getting the medical attention they should be. I'm not talking about that. Mm. I'm talking about people who uh, aren't paying for their medical services, yet still kick off. They would be considered a difficult client. So it doesn't matter whether you're getting paid or not. Yeah, are difficult uh, people in life. I guess. like We're not talking about the people who justifiably kick off, no, paid absolutely. or unpaid. We're talking about the people who would go into the doctor's surgery oh, and just because they haven't got things exactly their own way, they'd kick off at the receptionist. It's mm. that. It's the being unreasonably rude rather than... Hmm. standing your ground so you know happy to admit that there's been times with clients for us where something's been challenging but so long as both parties know that we're in the challenge together all good when one party feels like the other party's not pulling their weight not so good so what are the common reasons you think why clients might be difficult to work with I mean, you mentioned their communication. That's yeah. That's probably a key one, isn't it? Comms breakdown so easy. In a, weirdly, in a world where there's so many ways to communicate now, it's so much easier for communication to break down because the expectation is so high. Because so many platforms of communication are available and people speak to each other every day, they expect that from their suppliers now. And that's not... You know, even when I got into the industry 15 years ago, that wasn't the expectation. I maybe spoke to, like, my family once a week, spoke to my ah, friends once every two the, the two weeks. <laughs> so a client would be chuffed as long as they'd heard from you 
every couple of weeks where now it's more like every couple of days if not more yeah like you say the range of tools i mean we know and we see this go on in our own community there are some people out there who um i guess you know we're all selfish by nature they will see how far they can push and they will use whatever form of communication they mm. prefer so if they no matter what rules of engagement you've set down if their preferred way of communication is i don't know instagram direct messaging that's what they'll do then when you don't reply straight away they'll try facebook messenger and then you don't reply they'll try email and then they pick up the phone but i like to go all these methods that they can get in touch with you and you know i'm reading a book at the moment about our reliance on on digital technology which is ironic given our industry and it talks so much about that you know we're always plugged in but the brain isn't meant to be wired 24 7 it just evolution just hasn't hasn't built us that way so when we're just on our phones and on our screens all the time it's overwhelming and i think sometimes if you have a difficult client some people really can't cope cope well with that it just is overwhelming because they're getting bombarded left right and center by communications from someone who may or may not be rightfully aggrieved yeah okay, that's a big one that was good. It was really good. I sound like I know what I'm saying sometimes. Yeah, no, it was it was solid. I was the whole time spent thinking about what that bloody film's called. But um <laughs> What's the, the Conjuring was a horror film, right? Yeah, not the Conjuring, that's the one with the tree. Not the illusionist, that's Ed Norton. I think it begins with P. Someone listening will be screaming it out. But the point being that um yeah, when you're at that point where communications are broken down, the best thing you can do if you feel like the client is rightly aggrieved is to move towards them and try and put things right. Um, the best thing you can do if you feel the client is just fight, trying to find a reason to get out of the agreement or is being negligent or whatever is, I would say, initially stand your ground and then depending on the kind of business you are, decide what to do from there. And the important thing I think is like active listening. And, and, oh, this is a fucking pet peeve of mine. I hate it if someone is deliberately ignoring me. So if someone feels they're not being heard, especially if they're giving you money. Now, we've all been there. We've all given money to things. It's like, right, I want to speak to them. And no one bothers. It's mm. almost like, well, they got my money now. I don't care. Especially if, say, you paid up front for something. And if, if you're not effectively communicating, I'm not saying, like, you have to reply to every email within minutes. And to be honest, that can really, things like that can really come down and, and, and bite your ass. Yeah. But to get back to someone in what's considered a timely fashion, to say, okay, I'm here to listen. How can I help? And let them talk and see what can be done. But if you don't communicate with them, or your communication is fucking hell, you reach out to them with, you're quite wound up. Because especially if you do feel like you're being wronged, you might try and fight fire with fire. Oh, yeah. Always sleep on it. In that instance, always sleep on it. Because no amount of anger or throwing shit at it is going to resolve it it's just going to get people's backs up but it's, so yeah. how would you how would you sort of set boundaries i mean because because we know that a relationship can often break down because of what happens at the very beginning and so how do you or what would your advice be for sort of setting boundaries or rules of engagement i think what happens is people's purchase decisions usually emotional not logical so they're either in pain or they're excited. And either way, the overarching emotion becomes excitement. Excited to get out of that pain. 
or excited to progress further than where they are right now. The problem is, two or three days after they've made that purchase decision, all of their thinking changes from emotional to logic, logical. And logical thinking is, right, I better have a double check of that brochure now and just see what I get for what I've paid for. Mm. Oh, it says here that I get a daily email. Well, I didn't get an email yesterday. Right, I'm going to chase that. Or it says here uh, I can speak to anyone within two hours. Uh, I'm going to test that theory. And that's where things can start to become unstuck. So, I mean, I had an on well, not an onboarding call, but a, a sales call with someone today. And they said, what kind of turnaround time do you have for getting back to people? And I, and I sort of being, you a bit, try make a joke, did you? being a bit long in the tooth, I said, what makes you ask that? Because uh, alarm bells were sort of mm. jingling. And she said, well, my current supplier is in New Zealand, and I'm lucky if I hear back from him within three days. And I was like, oh, it should be a dream if he's in New Zealand, because you send him a message, he wakes up, he replies in the night, you wake up the next day, mm. Bob's your uncle. Um, she said, no, that's not how it is. I said, well... I said, I'll be completely honest with you. Our team are instructed not to reply to emails straight away because they should be focusing on whatever it is they're focusing on mm -hmm. right now. However, as long as you send an email before three o'clock, chances are you're going to hear back that day. And, and uh, she, um, she said, oh, okay, that's cool. I was like, obviously, if you send something that clearly isn't an emergency in the afternoon, you probably hear back from us the following day. So yeah, that's fine. As long as I know everything's in hand. It's like, but you've got calendar links for all of our team. So if you're unsure and they've got a slot, you can book a call with whoever you want and just double check what's going on. Yeah. yeah. I'd say that's one thing we have got. Obviously there's always room for improvement, but I think that's one thing we've got nailed, making it clear that this is the best way of getting hold of us. And these are your expectations in terms of reply. Yeah. Because if, say, our team are instructed to get back to any emails within, say, 24 working hours, that is immeasurable. And so our team knows if they don't do that, heads are going to roll. Yeah. And we put our balls on the barbecue. Do we tell clients that? I mean, and a big one, like speaking to business owners. Open this can. Will, will the sound be loud? Yeah, but just do it. Like, own it rather than trying to do it quietly. I just have this can of super strength, wicked lager. He's having some diet fanta. Just to be clear, oh, it loud, really was it? loud. Yeah, sounded delicious though. It made like Fanta the quintessential zero. noise. Anyway, yeah, speaking to business owners. Oh fucking, that's lovely. Shut up. Sorry, what were you saying? <laughs> speaking to business owners, it's also about if a client asks you a question, and there's someone in your team who can answer that question, you should let that person in your team answer the question. So, to give an example. We've got lots of clients that run webinars. If someone gets in touch and says, what should I do about my warm-up funnel? I'll be like, oh, I'll pass this over to Martha in our team. She'll be in touch. Now, I could have answered that question, but mm. positioning-wise, I shouldn't. And it's not because I don't want to. Everything inside me is screaming to help. It's because I should be having conversations with the client on a higher level. What's the strategy next? What are we going to do to change these sales percentages? What are we going to do about follow-up? Not how do I write a warm-up funnel? That's not to say I don't care, I do, and I will oversee what Martha says and check that you know everything's sound, but it's training the client and training the communications that if you need, if you need to talk to me, bring a big problem and I'll get my teeth into it. But if you want to talk about technicalities or you want to talk about subject lines or you want to talk about visuals for an ad campaign, there's people in our team who can help you with that. 
And I guess the challenge is, especially for a growing business, is not to fall into the trap of doing that early doors because we are all by nature super nice people. Because once you've started answering questions about Facebook pixels, guess what's going to happen? Yeah. Because yeah. I used to really struggle with this, like training. It sounds like, oh, I'm not a fucking dog. You can't just train me. But it's those, those expectations. Because when everyone's clear, I mean, fucking clarity is my word of the year anyway. But when you're clear, right, this is how I get hold of him or her. And this is how long it will take for them to get back to me. Right, okay, now I know. And I will respect that. Don't get me wrong. There'll be people out there who are like, well, I'm going to send them a fucking Instagram direct message because it's really important. And that will come down to how strong you are as to whether you reply to that or yeah. not. Or because you've got, because say if you reply to that Instagram direct message within a couple of minutes and you don't do anything to say, hey, listen, I'm doing this as a favor. Guess what? Those boundaries are gone oh, and they'll be in touch with our Insta DM all the we've time. We've both had that where people have rang our team and said, can I speak to Andy? Can I speak to Joel? And the team will say, oh, they're in a meeting at the moment. Can I take a message? Or And, uh, and I, I've genuinely had dms say i rang your team for the third time today and i'm finding it hard to believe you're in another meeting and it's like well i am what what do you want me to do like there's a lack of mutual respect there um which gets my back up but empathy not enough empathy in the world it's like like say we can have days where say it's back-to-back meetings if you aren't a very busy person and you're annoyed about that or annoyed about something else in your life you want to get hold of someone you will be aggrieved that you can't get hold of them and when they say well they're in meetings all day you'll be like well no because you're judging them by your own standards and there's no empathy yeah like one of my coaches said to me how come you never message me that's what i do message in the group you know how come you never message me i said well time's important and i thought that'd be overstepping the mark and he he actually said no you pay a premium so you can message me but if someone who's on one of the lower tier programs decided to message me which they couldn't because they haven't got his number he would have to educate them that that's not acceptable and it's quite interesting because i I guess like we've got clients out there that would say well I, i pay you a premium it's like yes but you don't pay for the package where access to us is included and I mean, on, I mean, there's there's a level of access to us on all packages, and of course, we want all of our clients to feel looked after. But there has to be boundaries. We we have to respect the clients that are paying us specifically for access to us for consultation, let's say, because otherwise, what are they paying for? If we offer consultation to all of our clients, then we're mugging off the ones that are paying for it. And those little alarm bells you mention. Um definitely they should be going off when someone says, well, I do pay you a premium or I do pay you a lot of money because obviously money's all relative. Might be a lot of money to you, might not be to them or vice Mm. versa. So, but if you've done an ethical job when you're marting and selling to them and you've given them three options and say they've chosen the bottom one, that might still be a lot of money for them, but that doesn't automatically entitle them to the services you get in the top option. Yeah. So it's, it's, Okay, regardless whether it's a lot of money or whether it isn't, this is the package you chose. You didn't want the others, so you don't get what is in those options. Yeah, and and it's having respect for the fact that everybody that pays you money deserves good service, mm-hmm. and that's fine. But you don't get the service you didn't pay for. You can't go to Ford and say, 
well, I've paid you for a car, so I want that one. Well, no, you've bought a Fiesta. You can't now have a Mustang. It's not. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure most of the time it's not even um, malicious, but it is almost that emotional blackmail. Well, you know, or I've had to put this on my credit card, or it's like, whoa, no, right. I mean, you can do what you want, listeners, but Joe and I, we won't take money off people if it's going to cause them to lose sleep at night or cause us to lose sleep at night. Marketing, like anything, is an investment, but it shouldn't be an investment that like, keeps you up at night. So if someone says to us, okay, this sounds great, but things are really tight, so I'm going to put on my credit card or I'm going to take one of my kids out of private school, fucking whatever, it's like, no way. I don't want that on my conscience. Yeah, sell a kidney instead. Well, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> no, but um, it's absolutely right. Like, I, I want... Our, the investment with us to be enough that people care about it, which I'd hope they care about it anyway, but, you know, there's different characters out there. You want the investment to be enough that people care about it, but not so much that it cripples them. Mm-hmm. Because we, you never want to have a conversation with a client, oh, if this month's a bad month, I'm going to have to cancel my marketing. Because it's like, well, we don't want it all to be riding on the next 30 days. We need to plan. We need to structure. We need to mm-hmm. look to the future. And it's that time horizon thing as well, which is a really important thing when it comes to communication and handling difficult clients is well, what time horizon are we working to here? Because like in our case, this is a 12-month agreement. Mm-hmm. So I would imagine the time horizon on when you need to see results is probably from month four onwards and ramping up as we go. If you want to see significant results in the first two weeks, we need to look at a far more expensive, mm-hmm. shorter term. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I was always difficult with money because, um, again, everyone's uh, everyone's opinion, thoughts about money, that's all shaped in your child and you can do very little work to sort of change that. But that that whole thing when people say, oh, it's a lot of money, it's, it co- again, well, it comes back to the beginning, doesn't it, about making it clear what they're getting mm. for the option they want. And, and something we learn the hard way is that, be very mindful of people who want to downgrade. So at the moment, depending what industry you're in, you might let a client downgrade. Now, the reason that used to bite us is because generally speaking, when people downgrade, they want to pay less. But unfortunately, they still expect the same level of service and the same amount of your time. So when you have to turn around and say, um, I-, I can't speak to you. This. Well, you used to speak to me twice a week. Yes, but you're not paying for that anymore. Or... I've now got to spend that time talking to the clients who are paying me at a higher level. Yeah. And that's that's really difficult for some people. To, and generally speaking, when we used to allow people to downgrade, I think pretty much in every case it didn't go as well as we wanted it to. Yeah, I mean, we've even had clients that have moved on, you know, all happy, and then said things to me like, oh, I don't hear much from you anymore. <laughs> and I'm like, I do like you, like... Yeah, all good, but I've got shit to do. <laughs> like it's it's a bit managing that expectation is tricky because people blur the line between what's like business associate and what's customer supplier relationship, and especially if you've met them through networking, which a lot of our clients come through that they they can't grasp. Well, how come you're not like? pointing things out anymore like, what do you mean and like the person i'm talking about here is like well when i did a crap post you'd sort of politely message me and say oh i'd change this i wouldn't use that word tweak this so you don't do that anymore but that wasn't part of your service before and i'm like well it was though wasn't it because 
your success was really an important part of the overall success of our venture. Now you've decided to carry on going down that route without my help. Yeah. What am I? What am I meant to do? That's makes strange. me sound bitter, doesn't it? But no, but it's it's because it's all time. Like someone, oh god, who was it? Someone tried to give me some feedback. I don't know whether we've done a podcast on this before. I've definitely done a video about it before. They were trying to give me some unsolicited feedback on a video I'd done, and some of the content must have hit a nerve, I guess. But it's like, no, no, it's it's, it's okay. You don't. I don't need to to know that. And they're like, well, why? It says because you don't you don't pay me money. If you're a client, I'd, I'd I'd listen to your feedback. Or of course, if you if you've got a track record of successful businesses, this guy basically didn't have a successful track record of running a business, and he wasn't giving us money. So I can't. Why should I give my time to listen to your feedback that probably isn't qualified anyway? That whole time is money, and I know it's fucking really really corny, but it's so true, and it's probably the thing I used to undervalue the most yeah. in the business. Every business owner we meet, the the thing that they struggle to value is their time priority management it's 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 massive i think we definitely need to do a well you know we've got multiple coaching clients four of which i think are booking calls with you right now and i think three out of the four are going to ask to work with you on prioritization so yeah it's it's key because generally speaking when we speak to business owners of course oh they all want more money or they think they want more money they want what comes with having more money more freedom it's, they, they want more freedom more flexibility oh i haven't got enough time it's like well yes you have you just focus in the wrong areas but um so so let's face it things can get a bit tense what kind of things have we come across where you can sort of de-escalate tension before it gets to full out war the very the very best thing you can do when things are bad is show up uh, which isn't always easy. Like with us, we've got international clients. I can't necessarily get on a plane and go and see them. But if someone's clearly in pain, whether you, it's your fault or not, the people that show up and put an arm around them will be the people that get remembered. That's the best, best, best thing you can do, but not always easy. The next best thing is to take a breath, not take it personally, and and look at what you can do to help. Because ultimately... It's about reminding the client what result they were looking for when they first came to you and what progress you've made towards that result up till now. And that might not be marketing like us. That could be a private doctor. It could be a physio. It could be a painter and decorator. Whatever it is, it could be, well, look, Mrs. X, we've just stripped your walls of all that horrible paint. We, Yes, I agree, we did find some damp underneath, but we've solved that problem now. I realise that the quote has gone up because there's been some additional works involved. But we're halfway towards getting the job done, and this room is going to look immaculate now and last you 20 years. As opposed to saying, well, of course the fucking quote's gone up. There was damp underneath all the wallpaper <laughs> right. or whatever. It's it's about being the bigger person in, in a sense, but it is hard because it's so personal, especially if you're an owner-managed business. When someone attacks your service or questions what you're doing, and you know that you've and some got... some people are doing that on purpose. Yeah. They know exactly what they're yeah. doing. But when you know deep down you've got the client's best interest at heart and you're doing everything in your power to deliver for them, it, it, it can be really hard to take a breath and just mm. move towards them with kindness. But that is what you should mm. do. I mean, both me and you are, what do you call them, trigger points, red buttons. Is it red buttons? I think that's the phrase. 
things that will just straight away flip a switch at us. And one is when someone questions our ethics. Yeah, someone questions and, my integrity. And I know someone knows that. That could be a route they go down. Well, you said you'd do this, so that's not very ethical, is it? Fucking hell, that's like a red rag to the ball. And I have to work really hard to, like, like you say, take a deep breath to go back to them with kindness. Because most conflicts escalate because it comes down to a he said, she said, and uh, you just butt heads, and no one's going to change their mind. And, like, if I'm being completely honest... Me reacting to that is based on my own insecurities, not theirs. They're prodding the butt. They're, you know, hitting a raw nerve on purpose, maybe. Mm. But it's my choice to react, even though it is hard. Someone questioning your integrity when everything you've done, you've done from a place of integrity, of course, is upsetting. But it's only really upsetting if you allow it to be. And when you take a step back and have a look at everything you've done as a business, if you've done it with integrity, you've always done it with open arms, you've always done it with, you know, large format print instead of small print, that kind of thing, you you don't have to worry. Yeah. And and you're allowing one person to control your day and you, you just can't yeah. do yeah, that. Yeah, that's true. And I suppose a challenge is seeing those people who are d- sussing out who are deliberately pressing your buttons and who are not. Because let's face it, right, I don't know, there are people out there who something shit has happened in their life and let's say they can't afford to pay for your service anymore or they just simply don't want to be a member of your gym anymore because another gym has offered them a stupid deal. Something See, like that's that. See, that's shit. That's shit. The first one, I don't know, let's say something tragic's happened in someone's life and their priorities have completely changed. I think you have a grown-up conversation with your suppliers. So you just like, look, I'm not doing this anymore because I've lost my entire family or whatever. Fucking hell, that is drastic. Yeah, but like, please can we have a conversation about what needs to happen to make this fair for everyone involved? I think that's cool. If XYZ gym opens up next door to ABC gym and it's 10% cheaper and you want to jump ship but you're still in contract, you're a prick. Yeah, but you will... There are people out there who will come out with every excuse on the sun because they simply want to pay less elsewhere. And if you sense that's going on, again, still reaching out with kindness and getting to the heart of it and finding out in a grown-up, non-emotional way what is going on. Yeah, yeah. But if you find out you are getting just rawly screwed over, that's when you do Yeah. Because obviously you can't just, like, bend over. You need to, like, okay, well, I've reached out with kindness I realise now what's going on and you have to either stand your ground or just, I guess, walk away. Let it go, yeah. And I think that whole thing is, look, Mr Smith, you've got 11 months left on your gym contract. I appreciate next door is a pound less a month. But if you're looking to sever this contract early, we've either got to come to a settlement or you need to see out the term. I think that's fair and polite and businesslike. But we do see that a lot, particularly for our clients, where people promise to pay for things and then don't. And especially if it's what 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 we said the other day, it's it's for for past monies rather than future monies. So if the work has already been done and yeah. someone's refusing to pay for something they've already enjoyed, that is different to, I suppose owing you money for work that you haven't done yet. And, and the world has changed drastically because of people like that. 
mm. everything you used to pay for afterwards. And now, even going out for meals in a lot of places now, you pay up front. I'll never forget, you know, like it was years and years ago, over a decade ago, we were helping um, a local conservatory firm. It was basically one guy on his own who roped in a couple of subbies. Really nice guy in his 60s. Um, I'd only known him a couple of months, but a man of integrity. Anyway, mum and dad decided they wanted a conservatory. So I said, oh, you need to... No, no, don't don't worry. This is a happy ending. I said, oh, you need to speak to Tony Bennett. That was his name. Tony Bennett. I should remember that, the singer. Um, Not and... Gordon. <sighs> Sorry. Gordon Bennett. Oh, Gordon Bennett. I thought he said Jordan. I said, who's, who's that? Isn't that one of the big boobs? <laughs> um, and Tony came to mum's house, quoted and said, well, it'll be about 10 grand. And mum was like, okay, and, and what, you know, what deposits and stuff? No, no, don't need to deposit. He did the whole work, the whole job, and only asked for the 10 grand when mum and dad were happy oh. in the end. And I was like, fucking hell. That's... Now, he was very successful in his 60s, so so I'm sure he'd been done over a few times, but that's how he was still operating. It's like, shit, that is a risky business. Because imagine doing someone's doing something for 10 grand and the person decides, actually, I don't like the brickwork. So, or actually, it's not what I wanted, Tony, so I'm going to pay you eight. It's like, I, I, oh. I know. I know uh, how do I say this without getting anyone into trouble? Someone I know may or may not be my dad. Um, <laughs> Builder, carpenter, and joiner. So they do a lot of what they call foreigners, which is cash jobs in the evenings and weekends away from the building site. So someone needs a new handrail put on their stairs or whatever. Probably not called foreigners anymore, is it? I don't know why it ever was. I don't think it's meant in that sense. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to Google that. Yeah. Um, I think it means foreign to your day job. I'm pretty sure that's what it must mean. But um. So then you don't you don't you only ever charge for materials up front. So like, oh, I need some paint or I need mm. some wood, because you can't drop a deposit invoice in because the tax man's not going to know about the uh, bloody okay, yeah, yeah. thing. But that's mental for the amount of risk involved in some of these jobs. Just pay the bloody VAT. <laughs> it's just yeah, insane. It, it's you just okay. It will be the minority, but can your business carry that minority? Yeah. So most businesses now, yeah. If you, when people say to me now, oh, do, do I have to pay a deposit? You know, I'll pay you, like, by invoice. Do you mean a month in arrears? It's like, well, no. Oh, well, my previous agency worked like that or whatever. Yeah, the one you sacked. Well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you, the fifth agency, you mean. Um, and it's like, so have you ever bought anything online? Do, do, you, do you just wait for your washing machine to turn up, decide whether you like it or not, use it for a couple of weeks? Yep, okay, I'll pay you now. The world has moved on. It doesn't work like that now. You are not going to get invoiced in arrears. And I'd strongly advise if anyone listening still does operate like that to think very carefully because it's one headache that you could avoid. Because the... in, in all, I've got to be honest, right? Sorry. In all our years, I think we've had two, maybe three people refuse to go onto direct debit. Guess what the commonality between those three people was? Yeah, they're all shit payers. I, I guess like the last bastions of that is accountants and solicitors. I wonder how long it'll be before, I mean, some of the modern ones must charge up front now but it's only tradition stopping them from doing that surely yeah they'll they'll be just won't be or being able to turn on the stopwatch (laughs) can't do that if it's pay up front oh yes i remember having a phone call with a solicitor and uh, (laughs) get a bill the next day for 87 quid or something oh that was that was that's the best way to win a legal battle by the way if it you know it's on the line of getting into dispute best way to win a legal battle is if 
for whatever reason. Not that I've done this, just to be clear. Right, okay. But get into a dispute if the other person's being unreasonable and then for whatever reason you get a solicitor's letter, ring their solicitor every day because every time you ring their solicitor, they'll get charged for it. Joel, fucking hell. Why have I never thought of that before? Yeah. Fucking hell, that's genius. And then when they, when they stop answering, leave a voicemail because they get charged for them too. And when they stop, when they turn off their voicemail, start emailing. Bloody that's hell. how you rack up a bill on someone who's messing you about. Not that I would ever do that. So if there's anything you remember from any podcast we've ever done, I'd say that's got to be up <laughs> yeah. there. Fucking hell. Right, okay, let's talk about, there might be some people listening who all this is quite, quite scary territory for them. So let's talk a bit about how some tips for sort of looking after yourself when it comes to handling difficult clients. Because if you have got someone on the phone basically shouting, swearing, accusing you of all things that may or may not be wrong, you've got to be able to handle it. Because I think, like you said earlier, you can't have this kind of shit ruining your weekend, ruining your evenings. Because let's face it, in the past, we've had evenings ruined because someone kicked off on a Friday afternoon. Whereas now, the work we've done on compartmentalisation and things like that, it's able to, no matter what happens on a Friday afternoon, we'll have a good weekend with our families. But some yeah, people... Well, yeah, and I think we've put the systems and processes in place so that we're confident we've done our job properly. And when we were a smaller business, cards on the table, that's not necessarily the case because it was a bit more ad hoc. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, not enough uh, uh, not enough clarity at the beginning. Yeah. But I, I think, and I'm shit at this, but if, if you have had one of those sort of stinking messages where it might not even be your fault, they just could be in a bad mood mm-hmm. or... You know, they've had an unexpected tax bill or whatever it might be. Go to the gym or at very least go for a walk. Because if you make a decision post gym or post walk or post a bit of exercise, I guarantee you it'll be a better decision than the one you make by being reactive. And what about, because uh, we, we've had uh, in the past emails that the team have been like, oh, I don't think this person's happy. Well, pick up the phone and speak to them. Pick up the phone, speak to them. They're perfectly happy. They're just not very good at phrasing stuff in emails. I've got an example of that that's happened today. Not with us. Oh, okay. So my wife messaged me today. She's a manager of a zoo. And they have a finance team. And they have a head of finance. And they've got two new members of the team starting tomorrow. And none of the financial onboarding's been done. So basically my wife doesn't know what to give them. Whether, whether they're ready, whether they're going to be on the system tomorrow, all this stuff. And it all starts at the, in the finance department. So she sent a message to the finance department this morning saying, Billy and Todd, I don't know what their names are, Billy and Todd starting tomorrow. We've not had the stuff through. Normally we get it a week in advance. Please can you let me know when to expect this as we need it ASAP, Hannah? No reply. Next thing I know, she's been called into a meeting for sending rude messages. Fucking hell. So she sent, I mean. She sent checked it with you. Yeah. She, has, she hasn't named any names or anything, but she's obviously said, this is the message I sent. Is this rude? I said, it's direct. It's not rude. Yeah, good. Perfect. But that person on the other end, who's a senior employee, has interpreted it as rude. And that's as little as it can take to create a, quite mm. feisty scenario and that could be what's going on with your clients bloody hell i mean we have a few rules about email here don't we that you know if you happen to rewrite an email or it's taking you more than don't five minutes yeah, yeah don't send it pick up the phone yeah send a quick dm saying when's a good time to talk because yeah i mean you i think you mentioned back at the beginning of this pod 
you know, sleep on it. If you want to send an email, but you're not sure, if you have any any concerns at all, just don't send it till the next day. Yeah. And I think so, you know, I know the new anxiety is phone anxiety now. And for some people, I'm sure that's true. They have an anxiety about the phone. Other people, it's just a fucking excuse. And they don't want to pick up the phone because it's easier to email. It's easier to DM. And, you know, oh, if you call that person, oh, I'll just email them for the third time instead. There are people out there who'd rather do that. But I don't mind the phone. But often, more often than not, that is the clearest way to quick something, let's clear something up if you can't sit down with someone rather than toing and froing on emails. How many jobs have been lost because of, your, or how many nights sleep have been lost because of emails that have been misinterpreted? Oh, absolutely. And we're at a point in time now where putting a smiley face emoji on the email is probably not going to soften it. Just mm. comes across as passive aggressive. Oh, passive aggressive. Fucking hell, yeah, we've been there. Um, so uh, what else would you would you say in terms of Looking after yourself when you're dealing with conflict. I think the step back is, let's say you've got 20 clients for ease of maths. This is one client out of 20. So if you're giving them anything more than 5% of your energy, you're over-serving that situation. Mm -hmm. And you're also um, letting down the other 19 clients. Yeah. And when you look at it with that level of perspective, it changes your outlook. Much like, you know, most humans, you can give nine pieces of good news and one piece of bad news, and they'll focus on the bad news. Oh, I'll joke about that with my mum. It's like, what's what's the crisis this week, mum? Deal with that. Right, what's the next crisis? Oh, don't be like that, Andrew. It's like, but... <laughs> and there are some people out there who they, they like a bit of crisis in their life. Well, and, and gen- like, if, I, if you came in today and I, and I gave you nine pieces of good news, and then I said something along the lines of, but turns out so-and-so thinks you're a bellend. You'll remember that more than the other nine pieces. Of... Maybe not now because you've Everything's worked on it. Everything's my fucking bellend. <laughs> yeah, um, oh, yeah. I, oh, absolutely. And I think a lot of us, we focus on the negative, absolutely. And we also, our first port of call is, is internal. You doubt yourself. Am I a bellend? Have I done something wrong? Is this person right? Sometimes that could be the case, but more often than not, it's like, no, they're the problem. They're projecting their their insecurities, their fears, their miserableness, whatever, onto you. Now, yeah. if you have missold yourself, if you have underserved someone, then it's your own fault. If you haven't made something clear, it's not a mistake, but obviously you it's a lesson to be learned for yes. the next time to make sure there are clear rules of engagement, clear rules about communication and timeframes at the beginning. But otherwise, it's like, you know, like I say, if you're, if you're making 19 clients happy and you've got a 20th client who isn't happy, yeah, focus on those 19 because, as we're always saying, where attention goes, your energy flows. If you're devoting too much attention to that 20th client, you, you are not just doing yourself a disservice. Like you say, you're doing your other 19 clients a disservice. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and what about, um, I mean, we talked a lot about clarity. In terms of what technology and stuff, what what could you what could you harness to to keep everyone on the same page for a, want of a better? A phrase? huge amount of touch points can be handled by technology now. So, simple example: you might be an accountant, and the reminders of when you need everyone's receipts could be automated, or the reminder of when someone's self assessment is due could be automated, or when their company 
corporation taxes due could be automated, when their VATs due can be automated. So suddenly all those things that took a phone call or a letter are being automated. And and now you can automate them in such a way that it seems like it's come from a human. So you can really start to bridge the gap. Then in terms of expectation management, you, it's good to get into the habit of always referring back to the result you're trying to get with that client. So you can use technology for that too, to remind people of what was discussed about at the beginning. So if you're a personal trainer and you're doing you know, high ticket programs for someone and somebody's lost eight kilos, the check-in email that could be automated once they've input their eight kilos could be only two kilos away from your target. So rather than them being like, oh, bloody hell, I've still got another two kilos to go, you flip it. And yet what tends to happen is people use WhatsApp or email or DMs or whatever to try and bridge the gap manually and end up getting themselves in a pickle because you essentially over-deliver. You end up, oh, yeah, don't worry, we can sort that for you. And before you know it, you're doing so much of the stuff you shouldn't be doing that you've lost sight of the result. Yeah. That's uh, that's a good one. So what I mean, so when there is that long term strategy needed for working with difficult clients, do you think it gets to the point where you have to make the hard financial decision and be emotional and walk away and say, listen, I'm not the right person to serve you anymore, whether they're in contract or not. And just walk away. Is life too short or is it a case of no, this person owes me X amount? I think I want my fucking money. There's, there's two sides. There's definitely two sides. If you're not values alignment anymore, it's never going to work. And you've got to figure out if you're okay with that or not. So that's, that's the one side. So if, if they were a good fit at the start, but for whatever reason, they're not a good fit anymore, or they misconstrued who they were, or maybe your values have changed. That's mm. one side to address, which is separate to the financial. If you had an agreement, and the agreement was clear and fair and transparent, then that's business. It, this is what you owe. But you haven't done that work. Well, that's not the point. The point is that we've got employees with mortgages and things to pay for and business to plan, and you've been billed on terms that we agreed, that you signed, and therefore we, we're owed that money. Now, in our instance, that's, that can be tricky because rightly so, the client should say, well, then I want you to do the work, which I get that. And then if you're not a values alignment, there's another sure. conversation to have. But if you're a physio and someone signed up for 12 weeks with you and you know you can't get them better until week 12, and at week three they ask for their money back, I think the, I think the answer is no. Because they can't possibly know what the result's going to be at week three. Well, this is probably why, say, a number of gyms now, here's, here's our monthly price upon a 12-month commitment. Here's the monthly price, pay as you go, and you put them in choice. Yeah. And so it's like if they try and get out of 12 months, like, listen, you, you, did, you, have, have choice. you did have the choice. And you can't just turn around and say, oh, but it was more to do with that. It's, and, I mean, generally speaking, when people are in choice, it's it's a good thing. You're the one in control. But... I think, I mean, I, I fucking hell, my dad couldn't let anything go, and it, and it, but it cost cost him a lot. Just and ha being able to walk away sometimes to know that actually, though there isn't a good fit, 
in fact, maybe I don't want your money anymore because the emotional energy involved and I could just die right there elsewhere and better help my 19 clients rather than you. It's, it is, it is a tough one, I think, but I think 90% of what we talked about does come back to the beginning. If you get bad vibes, if, you know, if you've been in the game a long time and your gut instinct saying, oh, actually, I'm not sure about this person or some of the questions you're asking about, well, you know, you know, the seven agencies I've worked with before have, it's like, fucking hang on. Right. Okay. You've been seven agencies. Well, there's a common denominator here. Maybe you need to be a bit more careful about who you bring on board, even though obviously sometimes you'll always, sometimes you'll get it wrong. Generally speaking, if, if you choose the right people to work with and the right rules of engagement are, are clearly laid out and the terms are agreed and you do what you said you would, all of what we talked about should be null and void. I, I remembered something last night that we haven't said for a long time, but it's a really good gauge. Would I go for a pint with this person? And I think if ever the answer becomes no, you you need to address it. And it's interesting that because... So something's happened to us recently, and luckily this does happen very rarely, but we're only human. The person who I'm talking about, would you have gone for a pint with them? Originally, yes. Okay. Would I go for a pint with them now? Fucking well, no, no. <laughs> I, would, I wouldn't fucking let you. No, but... Unless they're paying. But there is a... But even if... Take the finances mm. out of the picture, would I go for a pint with them now, knowing what I know now? No. Which... It's an interesting... But then I guess there was, you know being entirely transparent there was people in our team that wouldn't have gone for a pint for in the first place yeah yeah i mean i suppose the the way for people listening who don't know our sort of business model um most marketing companies or a lot of them they want to go straight into a 12-month contract a 24-month contract some marketing agencies a 36-month contract we start everything off with a two-hour strategy session and not able to us enable us to deliver a lot of value in two hours it enables both parties to think, actually, I'm sat down with these people. Yeah, we can do some business together. can see together. the whites of their eyes. Rather yeah. than, I'm not sure about, I'm not sure we're the right fit for you. So rather than take 12 months off you, it's like you might be better off elsewhere rather than steaming in. So maybe sometimes it's it's that fact findings, that due diligence. Even when someone's waving a checkbook under your nose, if you're in this for the long game, if you have if you do contracts or you know long terms of engagement, need to really sort of ignore that checkbook and think, right, okay, I need to spend some time with this person first. I'm willing to invest that time, or this would be my charge for that time that's refundable if we carry on to work together long term. On that very point as well, we very recently listened to uh, a webinar that was talking about taking someone to your preferred restaurant or preferred bar. That is a hell of a shout if you're unsure on someone. Take them to something like that and see how they speak to the waiting stuff because I'll give you that'll tell you everything you need to know. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, it's always good gauge. Don't watch how they treat you. Watch how they treat the waiter. Cool. So, what does someone need to do if they like one of those MTS sessions, Andy? Easy. Go to codebreak.co.uk, fill out the form, and Bob's your uncle. Nice. Thanks for listening to the Stay Hungry podcast, and don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. Now, if you're looking to sort your marketing out, visit fixmymarketing.co.uk and get in touch today.